Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of How to Do Drugs. I need to come up with something besides just saying hello, because I noticed that that's what I always say, and I think it may be annoying. I don't know. I don't know. I think everything I do is annoying. Um, today, I have um, one of my favorite people, one of my best friends, and I'm very excited, the wonderful Mr. Mick Foley. Hello, sir. Hello, Aaliyah. Nice to be here. Nothing wrong with saying hello. Although <laughs> need to find something i thought of one of my idols my mentor terry mm -hmm. funk that's funk with an n mm -hmm. you know you know you've never heard me curse right uh well a couple of times but oh, like uh, live shows yeah live I yes i give myself one per show and yeah. i'm up to like 80 90 minutes so i think that's saying something so nice funk with an n and he used to always begin his interviews for when he had an interview said howdy my simple-minded partner so, <laughs> I like it. Hello, my simple minded partners. Yeah, that's actually I like it. I'm not going to I'm not going to steal his stuff, though, but <laughs> I'll come up. I'll come up with something soon. I'm sure I think some of the other podcasts that I've done, I just start talking and then that's the beginning of it. I'll be like, all right, this is how we start. <laughs> my glasses on so we look more like twins. OK. Oh my goodness. I love it when we are twinsies. And this is fun. This is so fun. I, I need do it. You yeah. normally don't wear glasses. Well, I just need them when I read. Oh. Uh, the cheap readers you get at Walgreens. But uh, yeah. you know, I remember my wife was so happy when she saw I was having trouble with my eyes because she didn't think I was aging appropriately. <laughs> oh, she like I was like, have you seen me walk? I think I walk like an old man. Like, isn't that <laughs> enough for you? But I, I do, I do throw the readers on when I, uh, yeah, when I have to read. Yeah, I have. Um, I actually, I have a pair of readers as well. Like I'm blind as a fucking, like, I don't know why they say blind as a bat. Bats can actually see quite well. Um, I'm super, super blind. Like I have a stigmas in both of my eyes and um, I actually have a pair of readers for when I wear my contacts. My doctor's like, you may need a pair of readers too. Cause glasses are fine. It's the contacts, you know, cause they can't get it. Like it's, it's perfect or whatever. So I'm like, oh, and so I, now I need readers with my glasses. Glasses. So I'm like, I just, I never wear my contacts. Aaliyah, can I give you a little bit of useless wrestling trivia? Oh my God. Um, oh, I'm so bad at this, but yes, go ahead. All right. Uh, there was, remember the famous Eddie Murphy skits uh, with the, it, it was uh, Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy doing, uh, <laughs> doing the uh, black and white, doing the, the duet with Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Okay, yeah, 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 vaguely. I see so, it, yeah. It'll come to you, like, okay. that, you know, you are black and I am white, and then Piscop and Joe Frank Sinatra would come and go, you are blind as a bat and I have sight. So that's the <laughs> one actually written by Barry Blaustein, the man who directed the wrestling documentary, Beyond the Man. Oh, there we go. Oh, and that's a great line. You were blind yeah. as that, and I have sight. There you go. <laughs> I love your stories. Speaking of stories, all right. So this is a show about drugs, and I'm like, hey, Mick, you want to come talk about drugs on my podcast? And you're like, I don't really do drugs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, 
work cut out for you, Aaliyah, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't and I never have. Uh, yeah, so. I look like even the couple of times we've gone out, like, I think you may have had one drink if that, hey. you know, yeah. Like, I don't think I don't think I've ever really even seen you drink or anything like that. But you did say that you tried smoking pot once. So I do want to hear. Oh, no, no, you never tried smoking pot. No, never. I mean, and I'll tell you, you know, what's funny is that when I was in wrestling, right, mm-hmm. you know, I, if, for people who don't know, I was in it full time or no. I mean, I, I started in 85 and it mm-hmm. took me a few years to get my first job, but I've been in it since in some sense, you know, 85 through uh, the present day, even though I haven't wrestled in years, but yeah. my character at the time, Cactus Jack and later Mankind, they were supposed to be out there mentally, you know? Yeah. And the funny thing was you work so hard to make your character believable. And that includes in the late eighties, early nineties, like being that character when you were out in public. Oh, so, kind of like method acting or it, whatever. Oh, yeah. Couldn't let people in on the fact I had a girlfriend for six months in Texas who did not know my real name. <laughs> not only did I know my real name, but I would have to like stop off at the side of the road and like get into character so that when I saw her, I was that same guy she met who is in character after the show at the Dallas Sports. <laughs> Look at you, Grifton. <laughs> the funny thing is the thing that made my coworkers feel like I might be crazy is that I didn't smoke pot. Like, <laughs> You're like the only one. Oh, yeah. Like you'd walk down the hallway and there'd be like clouds, like cumulus clouds drifting up uh, <laughs> under from underneath the doors. And I remember people say, hey, you want some? It was just a given. You'd say, no. I was like, no, no. And went, what? And word got around like that. Holy guy, strange. Like, <laughs> I will tell you, though, mm-hmm. I was... Um, uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago. I was doing a show in, uh, I would say Norwich, but people who live there call it Norwich. Like they, okay, it's, yeah, it's like Louisville and Louisville. <laughs> the closer you get to the location, the worse you pronounce it. Louisville, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Norfolk is Norfolk. You know, this, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Norlands instead of no, that's mm-hmm. New Orleans. I've written two New York Times <laughs> on bestsellers. You've got it wrong. Um, but I was in Norwich, uh, England. I had a lot of trouble sleeping. And so uh, uh, a friend, friend of mine said, well, you've got like eight hours before the show. And the, the, the hotel was connected to the, uh, con- connected to the stadium, the football soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a marijuana cookie. Okay. Sleep. And the next thing I know, my phone is ringing and I hear my music playing in the background and it's uh, Paige's mom, Paige from the, you know, the, the WWE superstar who the mm-hmm. movie Fighting With My Family is about. She's like, where the bleep are you? And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sprinting or my best version of sprinting. So I guess I was technically, uh, you want to say I ate an edible. You had an edible, you got stoned and went to sleep. Well, I mean, edibles are great to help you sleep. I mean, that's, you know, I smoke all the time. Um, I only do edibles, you know, to sleep, like to help me sleep. And they they make me very hungry. And they give you like that, that stoner words, like you just giggly for no fucking reason. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I just so people know, like, I, you know, I know about the, uh, you know, the medical uses and i'm mm-hmm. trying to get my medical uh you know marijuana license here in uh 
in Florida because I, I have sleeping problems. Uh, I've slept four nights in a row, which is like a record for me is I'm usually every other night, like clockwork. Yeah. Every other night, I don't sleep at all. And then I make up for it the next day. So it is really beneficial. And mm-hmm. as far as like being a guy in public, you know, mm-hmm. who've known, especially the wrestling thing, people have some drinks and everyone's got their beer muscles. No doubt. I would rather be in a crowd of stoners stoners <laughs> than a crowd of obnoxious drunks, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, people who laugh at stuff that may or may not be funny and want to eat snack foods. That's okay. <laughs> uh, the guys who I swear I could go into, I remember going to a Yankee game once. this is about 15 years ago, but I, I, I stayed until the end, which I usually don't. Mm-hmm. I'm like uh, the dad in, uh, in the Goldbergs. Uh, my, yeah. I learned that from my dad. In the traffic yeah yeah you gotta be uh, traffic seventh I, inning we're out saw a game that went past the seventh inning because we were always hitting the road but in this case i stayed till the end and i remember specifically it was like oh you rule you i was ruling before the first inning and by the ninth inning i was the same guy but i'd somehow gone from ruling to sucking <laughs> in the course the difference was what they had chosen to in in vibe with so mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah. I, I stay far away and uh from drunks but i do i i uh, have a lot of good friends uh you know in wrestling and uh, outside who swear by it and uh i like them when they're stoned and i can't yeah. say the same for my uh who drink heavily yeah yeah there is definitely um a big difference even growing up my mom had always said she's like i would rather have you be like stoners than like drinkers she, she's yeah. like I, i'd rather be you be in a car with someone who was stoned than who was really drunk um and it does it makes it makes a lot of sense stoners are very chill we're not you know we don't have like those tequila muscles or whiskey muscles i should say it's always like 151 rum makes me really angry and want like i have a couple tickets really? From one, well, I mean, it's 151 rum. Uh, no human being should be drinking that liquor to begin with. Proof. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like it literally lights on fire. Um, well, you would mix it with stuff, like with different shots and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I get real mean. Uh, an assault and battery and a disorderly conduct from drinking so 151 rum. What was the story the last time I saw you where you were uh, greeted by the police? Uh, you remember remember the unruly well let me set the scene okay Okay, yeah 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 oh at the show (laughs) uh leah and i are doing a show together at stand up right uh uh, the stand the stand the stand in new york leah is hosting the show and she's my roving reporter when i do about 45 50 minutes of stories up top and then you do the q a Mm -hmm. Uh, people love to ask the questions and i love doing them because a lot of the time they hit on things that I wouldn't have thought. Mm-hmm. And the big challenge when you're doing Q&A is to, to act excited when you're asked a question you've been asked hundreds of times. Yeah, I'm not good at that. Uh, that's where the acting comes in, where you have yeah. to, try to be enthused about something you've been asked. Yeah. Uh, but this one gentleman, he was a huge fan, but he wouldn't, like, he, I answered the question and then he wanted a follow-up to something I clearly already answered. I'm like, well, I already answered that. And he was pressing like I wasn't giving him the right answer. Mm-hmm. And then, so for the listeners, Aaliyah then steps in and like very comedically pretends to lasso the mic cord around his neck. 
at which point he drops the C word on you. Yeah, yeah. No, he's like, yeah. Well, I did it twice. It was funny because I did it twice. I yeah. remember rapping twice. It was the second time when he said the C word. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, because you're not getting the answer you want. Now you're just going to be a dick. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he uses that, which is, not, you know, for some Oh, reason. yeah. That's when you swore. You actually swore twice at <laughs> I said, yeah, hey, man. And I yeah, I, I put it up top that I only have the one F-bomb. And mm-hmm. I used it to the end. But it was like, I'm going to empty the tank now. And I was like, get the F out of here. Mm-hmm. And the crowd chanted, because you lose the crowd in a hurry. Oh, yeah. Left. No, they wanted him gone, too. Yeah, because yeah, he wouldn't stop. And I was going to mm-hmm. say, in the UK, the C word is, it's a compliment, you know? It's oh, like, yeah. Like, I mean, I normally don't mind. But it is, it's like how it's said. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like someone like him, I'm like, oh, I'm like, you're lucky I didn't actually rap you with the microphone. But that's not the story you told the police. So. <laughs> yeah. And they came and they questioned you. And it's like, dude, we were all there, right? It was nothing. Oh, I'm yeah. Just- no, I got pictures with the officers and stuff like that. They were like, no, this is retarded. Like, this is bad. Like, he shouldn't. Like he's at fault here for anything. He's just being a dick. But yeah, it was a scene. <laughs> even joking around. I wasn't was I no, I didn't get drunk till after that. Like I was being a professional. Then after that, I'm like, oh my God, I'm never gonna work in this town again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I do have um some run-ins with the police every once in a while. Um, that just happened to be one of those fluke kind of things. Not as, as even the officer said, not my fault. So that doesn't count. <laughs> no record or anything like that, right? I never what? So it's, that was not, not, that's not part of your record. I didn't know. No, really- no, 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 no. They didn't, I didn't get a ticket or anything. Um, they didn't even take my name down. Well, I think they took my name down, but that was it. Like one of them, one of the cops actually started following me on Instagram. And, stuff. and Google, in <laughs> fact, right? Yeah, probably. Well, I was real honest. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I wrapped the microphone around his neck like twice. And he was like joking or whatever. And I think the thing was like, the thing that got me is because like, remember I was kneeling down you know, like squatting or whatever, um, you know, to get on, to get on his level when I was walking around doing questioning and stuff. And, um, I had acted like I was putting my hand over his mouth. I was like, Shh, and, I was yes. like Shh. and then yeah. I accidentally, because like he had moved and then like, cause I was like the way I was sitting, like I moved a little bit and I did accidentally touch him. And I'm like, Oh, that could be seen as like an aggressive assault type thing, even though it clearly wasn't there's cameras, you know, that they, they saw everything they saw, you know, what it was. But I was like, I even told the officers, I'm like, if anything, maybe that could be it. He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it, was so it was just crazy because it was a small crowd, you know, um, but they were, you know, I try to dig in. I try to give people a small crowd the best show that I can. Yeah, no, it was a great show. They still loved it. They like even afterwards, like people on social media and stuff, they're like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> so funny. I wonder what but drugs he was the alcohol versus marijuana and mm-hmm. that guy and stoned as opposed to drunk. Correct. There's no reasoning with him. Uh, my alcohol story this is a sad story here, Leah. OK, I was always the the cuddly. Mm-hmm. Drunk, you know, and my children they say they've never seen me drunk. I'm like, you've seen me drunk, you just don't know it because I don't act like a, a fool. I just mm-hmm. basically start listening to Tori Amos and get out a checkbook and start making 
donations. <laughs> thinking I can save the world to where they're like, oh, no, dad's got the Tori Amos on. I'm like, hide the checkbook. <laughs> uh, one New Year's Eve, I came up. I had a couple of quick sips of uh, uh, Sambuca. And then I came up and got in an argument with my youngest son. He was like four, 14 at the time. And he's very opinionated. And I was like, well, I was so disappointed. It was, I'd never, I'd never had anything but like a nice mellow time when I'd had a couple drinks. But mm-hmm. I remember really disappointing that I went up and got in an argument with my son. Like the magic is off, you know, I can't. So that was a downer. But yeah, that's the only time I can remember where I even had, you know, raised my voice. So I've always been, a, you know, pretty, pretty laid back drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that I've been hammered in probably, well, probably, probably 20 years. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I got hammered yesterday for no reason. What's I mean, I'm at, I was just at home. I had a glass of wine and the next thing I know the bottle is gone and I'm like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Well, I was like editing and stuff like that. I was um, talking, you know, like group chatting with a couple of friends. They were also drinking. I'm like, Oh, I'll have a glass of wine. Yeah. And then I just got hammered, finished the bottle. And then I was like, Oh yeah. It was like, I think it was like one or two. And I'm like, I should go to bed. Let me just go to bed. It's fine. Um, I need to get out of the apartment. I can now I've been working a lot on like the podcast and some other stuff. So I haven't been venturing out. I'm vaccinated and stuff. Me too. Second high five, bring it up here. Our high five, yeah. That's our move, everybody. We do high fives. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so back. So um being in wrestling and stuff like that, you guys put your bodies through tremendous amounts of things. Like I have seen you fall into a pile of tax, just insane, crazy stuff. Is there a lot of like like pain pill addiction in wrestling? Do a lot of people like go to that? Is it more like or do they do like, um, you know, massages? Like, how does that yeah, work? Things are getting a lot better. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the problems when I broke in is that like the pain pills were not regulated. Yeah. So there were guys who would have a different doctor in every city. And because it was a prescription at that time, there was nothing. It was thought to be nothing you could do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, people started started passing away from these uh, addictions, you know, it builds up in a hurry. And uh, the other one was the somas, you know, the muscle relaxers. Mm -hmm. And I know I've had, I've taken a muscle relaxer twice. Uh, And one of them was, uh, you know, after my my wife's uh, mother passed away, she had a little sample bottle. She weighed about 105 pounds and I was triple that. And I took one of those things. And I remember like saying like to my children, like, I can't drive, you know, like I am not even in control of my body. Mm-hmm. And so that was one. And there were tales of guys who and uh, great wrestlers too. And the one guy I'm talking about, one thing I'm not going to do is name names. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, he said uh, he was a great wrestler and he took about seven or eight somas. He said, boom, we've got 20 minutes to wrestle before these kick in. And then he went out and tore the house down. And then afterwards was in that like soma shake thing. Yeah. I guess, it, you know, for people who uh, who work out hard to have those muscles completely relaxed is very beneficial. 
but it's like everything. It's like when the GHB hit the uh, wrestling world. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember uh, sitting there with a guy named Ivan Koloff, who's a former WWF champion and a really nice guy. And so nice, in fact, that in 1990, when I was rooming with him, I had the GHB and it starts to kick in. At that time, it was supposed to be a muscle builder mm-hmm. and fat burner. So it's it's not a drug. It's a supplement, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember like, whoa, like it, Ivan said, you have to have a banana because you have to have some potassium. potassium. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically thinking, if I ever get to be a big star, I want to treat people the way he's treating me. Because I'd been on the other end where I was not treated particularly good. And I didn't like that. And I yeah. wanted to be a guy who treated people good. And I remember just having this great talk with Ivan Koloff, going into the bathroom, throwing up, and then having a great night's sleep. So I came home from that tour of the, uh, that was like Palau and uh, Pacific Islands. You know, I came home with a little bottle of that stuff. And I said to my wife, oh my goodness, it burns fat. It makes you feel great. And she goes, it makes you feel great. I said, yeah. She goes, well, flush it down the toilet. I said, oh, <laughs> if it makes you feel great, it's a drug. I was like, no, it's a fat burner. She was like, go to that toilet. Right. And I had to flush it down there. Mm-hmm. But that was the thing. It was uh, this thing that is supposed to make you feel good, promotes a restful night of sleep, burns fat, helps you build muscle. And so the wrestlers, instead of taking whatever one capful, mm-hmm. would take 12 capsules or whatever. Cause we're people who live large. You know? Yeah. Like, and, you, and you are, a lot of you are very, very large men <laughs> and women, large people who live mm-hmm. larger than life. And mm-hmm. so when some people want to blame wrestling itself for fatalities, I, I think it's more a case of the people who are drawn to it are going to be those people who drive faster, mm-hmm. who live larger, you know, who take more chances. Because if you got into wrestling just based on the, uh, uh, you know, the risk reward ratio analysis, you wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's so, the thrill seeking and yeah, the adrenaline. Yeah. You definitely, you know, it's something, it's like a dream and an ambition and you, you, you throw caution to the wind and, uh, some people in the old days, especially when they were driving around and it was part of the culture, you know, to and there were I remember going to Memphis and there were like, you know, I remember, again, no names, but mm-hmm. uh, going over someone's house. I was like, oh, is it like your girlfriend? Like, No, dude, that's a nurse. And I was like, why would you like? And he's like, they got scripts, man. And I was like, a script? Like, what, what do you mean? If, I had no idea that that was like a valued thing and today a nurse couldn't you know she wrote a prescription she'd be fired right oh yeah the way that they do it now it's so because my mom you know she was a nurse and she gave me a doctor's pad like first prescriptions but it was like for notes for school because like I would just write my own notes for school and she's like if you try to write a prescription and I'm like I wouldn't even know how to do that and I even told her I think it was like you know, 15, 16, I'm like, I'm not into pills, mom. <laughs> I'm like, that's not my thing. And still to this day, I'm like, I don't, I'm like, ew, no. I'm like, can I buy weed with this thing? Do they have weed? Like that's, I'm like, no, maybe some acid. Like that's what I was into. But yeah, yeah. Like nurses used to be able, um, certain nurses, I think like the yeah. level or whatever can write prescriptions. 
but yeah, in those days, I'll give you, give you a little wrestling story. I think I did write this one, and I'm mm-hmm. again, I'm not naming names, but I was having a tough time with my back on a trip to uh, it was either Austria or Germany, maybe it was both. And they had a, a doctor there, and I, you know, I, you know, I did a lot of wild stuff, you know, wrestling wise, move wise, and there was a consequence for it. Like there was no magic trick. My feeling was, yeah, the crowd is pretty cynical, but if I do things that hurt a lot, people might think it hurts a little. Like that mm-hmm. was my mathematical formula, and I wanted to be that guy who made fans turn to their friends and go, "That had to hurt," you know. And so mm-hmm. I had to. I absorbed a lot of impact and there was a you know price to pay for that. And sometimes it wasn't just being sore, you know, when your lower back started to, you know, go awry on me in the early 90s. And I go to see a doctor and right away he draws up a like a syringe. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, this is for the pain. And uh, and I spoke some German at that time, like nine, ich möchte nicht, you know, whatever. And I come back into the dressing room and I, and I go, that doctor's a quack. And they said, what? I go, you know, to talk to him about my back pain. And he draws up a syringe and within seconds, there's a beeline out the door and a line of customers like, Oh no. it's like, Whoa, yeah. I guess a one-off is not going to hurt anybody. But um, like I said, you know, guys tended not to, do moderation very well and a lot of people you know kind of fell under that spell of uh of uh pain pain medication and uh and never came out of it yeah and it does um because it affects everything especially with um with all addictions and and with the pill addictions because a lot of times it is doctors who give them to you and you're like oh and, and and a lot of times you're in that frame of mind where it's like a doctor gave this to me So, and and he said that it's supposed to help me. So it's okay that I do this, you know? And then next thing you know, that they are really, really addicted to it, but they don't realize that they're addicted. They're just like, no, it's my medication from my doctor. You know, they have that whole frame of mind. And it really does a lot of times too. A lot of people, they don't even realize that they are addicted to them. They just think it's like, because their doctor gave them to them and it's, legal and then all of a sudden they try to get off of them and then they're like oh, i'm an ad you know and it's right. um you know Elite, in uh, four years ago mm-hmm. uh april 2017 i had my hip replaced i remember and, <laughs> yeah and so that's right yeah you were there yeah, so, yeah. In 17 i had my knee replaced because mm-hmm. you were at the, my first book signing where I inexplicably broke down in tears. Remember that? I do. (laughs) I go to start talking because it was my Santa memoir and being Mm -hmm. Santa, you know, meant so much to me. Honestly, this is my, this is my reading material. Ready? Is it all Christmas? (laughs) Chicken soup. For the soul, you know, this is uh, another chicken soup for the, uh, this is, uh, what is it called? A chicken soup. The Santa Claus Chronicles uh stories to warm the heart at christmas and then uh, christmas in the air so this is the stuff i read yeah. and i go there to you know to uh to, i looked out at you and i could literally see you losing respect for me i the- it was not <laughs> shut up it's not true at all i'm surprised that no footage has ever shown up of foley breaking down like i go to talk and i just I got so freaking choked up. I was so emotional, you know, that it was honestly, a beautiful moment. Everyone was like, they like, you like the whole room felt the same thing. It wasn't a disrespect. 
Psycho. It was pretty heavy. Hey, can I show you something? Uh, yeah. Hold on a second. This was shot. This is, I'm doing these, and not that I want to get a plug in for my camera. Oh, no, no. You can plug in whatever you want. Yeah. Plug away. Yeah, um, I've been on almost a year. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing my my shows. I've got three of my own, you know, per uh, uh, one man shows I've done in Kentucky, uh, Virginia, uh, Tennessee, and then mm-hmm. boom, here comes the pandemic. I go from one day going, "Hey, I hear about this, but don't worry, I'm going to do all my dates." Yeah. And then two later, I was like, "I'm sorry, we put the brakes on that tour in a hurry." Yeah. And I've got absolutely nothing to do. You know, like my schedule's just wiped out. And my wife's got a pre-existing condition, so I can't come home for two weeks. Yeah, just, I have nothing to do. And then along come these cameos, and I find that I'm connecting with people, even though it's on a one-to-one basis. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm asked for like life advice, you know, newlyweds, uh, things, you know, I, I do get asked quite a bit, and I'll say, okay, here's here's this is my three uh, piece of advice. Never get so busy that you forget to make each other feel special mm-hmm. every single day. And if you miss a day, make up for the next one. If you're a guy, uh, this is a male thing only, I believe. Uh, if people want to say it's a sexist opinion, so be it. But I believe when you hear me out, you'll agree. A man should be willing to admit they're wrong about once a year, even though they know they're not. You know what I mean? <laughs> Your heart. You have done nothing wrong and want, don't overdo it. So it's, you know, it's commonplace. But even when I was on uh, 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 swapping, whatever, wife, celebrity wife swap mm-hmm. and uh, our uh, uh, Antonio Sabato Jr.'s uh, fiance had a meltdown at the round table. And uh, Antonio says to me, uh, so I got the world's most handsome man asking me for advice. He goes, what, what should I do, man? I said, I think you need to go over there and apologize. He goes, but I didn't do anything wrong. I said, I know. I've been married 20 years. So now it's 30. I was like, yeah, you need to go over there and apologize. And he did. So that's number mm-hmm. two. And then the third thing I tell people is to print their photos out. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's nothing like taking a stroll down memory lane. So here's the photo, fully photo album. So there's like some photos at Santa's Village, you know, and they're not just thrown in there randomly. Like there's a nice yeah. job. Right now. And now this is uh, this photo. If there's one photo, it's my pride and joy. My only celebrity photo. Are you ready for this? Okay. <gasps> Bill Murray. I love it so much. Did I ever tell you my Bill Murray story about how he made me go away? He said that he was afraid of me and my boobs. <laughs> break it in a way that didn't make you feel self-conscious i was oh no 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 it was at like this golf thing in florida it was um outback steakhouse like pro am golf tour so there was a bunch of celebrities mark Wahlberg was there and i was with my buddy scott and he um he collects autographs and stuff and sells them on on ebay um, a lot of baseball players and stuff like that. And so I would go and help him. And he's like, for this particular one, he brought me along. He's like, Bill Murray is really hard to get autographs for. Cause he's like, a lot of times, like he makes like people like pay for him, you know, especially, you know, and donates money and stuff. So he brought me along to think that I would be able to get Bill Murray's autograph. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm actually a big fan of Bill Murray. And this is way, but this is actually when I just started porn. So this is like 2009, I want to say. And like, so I wasn't even in comedy. 
but I'm like, I Bill, I'm like a huge Bill Murray fan. I'm like, if I get an autograph, I'm like, I want to keep the first one. Sorry, you're not going to be able to sell it. So this first one was actually for me. I was going to try to get another one, but I'm like, fuck that. Like, I love Bill Murray. I want to get this autograph. And, um, and he came in late, like, like he was in this little, you know, the little golf carts and stuff like that. And he's like, you guys, I'll do autographs later, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I got to get out you know, on the field or, or whatever. And well, the golf cart, like it actually ended up getting a flat tire, which is hilarious. Cause I yeah, didn't know yeah. those things. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, okay, well we have to wait for another cart. So he's like, oh, you guys come over or, or whatever. So there was a couple of people in front of me. And then I had, I had a great picture of him um, from Caddyshack where he's like on the ground face to face with, with the gopher. I'm like, yeah. Hey, I'm like big fan. Um, my name's Leah. Can, can you sign this picture? And then he like, he literally looks at my boobs, looks at me, looks at my boobs, looks at me. He's like, you're up to something. And then doesn't sign the picture at all. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, I was so like, I was embarrassed for one. And I was just like, but my boobs are not up to it. Like whatever. Um, it was, and what ended up happening is that my buddy Scott came back the next day with his friend, uh, with our friend Bowie and they dressed up as the ghostbusters and he got to party with Bill Murray and stuff like that. I was like, you know what? Fuck these and fuck my boobs. I'm over it. Boobs are, they're horrible. But yeah, so you, Bill Murray wouldn't sign an autograph and picture because he was like. Hey, and I'm tiptoeing carefully here, but you've always been fairly covert, right? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, yeah, especially with comedy and stuff. Like I always, you know, there, I mean, I was wearing a sundress. So there was like, there, there's cleavage and stuff. So yeah, they were definitely more predominant than they normally are when I'm out in public. So it was just so funny. <laughs> That is and, and then he got to go party with him the next day. I'm like, that's fucked up. I'm like, that's yeah, but that that's that's my life. It's like either it's like a blessing and a curse. You know what I mean? Blessing. And you want some more uh, useless Foley uh, documentary trivia? Obviously. The same man who directed the this is the, the uh, what do they call it? The five. What's the thing they used to do with Kevin Bacon? The, oh, uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. One degree. The same okay. guy who directed I Am Santa Claus that I was in directed mm -hmm. the Bill Murray stories, which is a great and very uplifting documentary. Mm -hmm. So when I saw Bill the second time, the cool thing about the second time we did it was that I got to see him when I went in to rehearse because I, I sing. <laughs> it's one of the most random things. I've had the opportunity to sing with Nora Jones like five. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a good friend of mine, Catherine Popper, is an amazing bass player. And uh, she she and Sasha Dobson and uh, Nora Jones have a have a, a band called Puss in Boots. So I've been their Santa like six years. And uh, I go in and I rehearse a song and I sing. I've got no vocal range. So mm -hmm. I go, who's got a beard that's long and white? And then the women kill it, you know, Santa's yeah. got a beard that's long and white. So when I went in to rehearse, I think three years ago, Bill was finishing up uh, White Christmas and Bill's a great singer. The cool thing about seeing him is when he's on the stage, people are at first so happy just to see Bill Murray. And then they realize he's really good. Like it's kind of like a parody of a lounge singer. Mm -hmm. Really good, you know, just like the Star Wars. Yeah, like, but he actually like can carry a tune. Yeah, he, yeah, he can carry it and he's really good. And then Bill got to see me doing the rehearsal. And so we hit it off a little bit. And I had to ask him, I was like, Bill, have you seen the documentary? And he's like, no. And I was like, it's really good. 
He's like, ah, maybe when I have the flu. But uh, part of the secret, you know, it's like the in the movie, the guy, the director, like he wanted to meet Bill. He wanted Bill to be part of it. And then he comes to realize, no, he's got this gift of making people feel a certain way, just showing up in strange situations, showing up at a house party and doing the dishes, playing the tambourine, you know, showing up. Hey, a buddy of mine wants to play kickball and people look over and it's Bill Murray. It's just like, it's like, even, even when we did the rehearsal that night, my friend Catherine was playing bass for a singer named Jesse Mallon. He's a great singer. And uh, so she left tickets for me and Bill and Bill ends up the next, I don't see Bill, but the next day I see on social media, people going like, Bill Murray showed up behind us at the Jesse Mallon show and asked if he could catch a cab with us, you know, like, so he goes out of his way just to make people's day. And yeah. That, that's, that's really cool. I love it. So, uh, yeah, there. it's just not my day apparently, which is fine. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over it. It was years ago. I I'm fine. I'm over. It. I still watch his movies. I'm still a fan. I just know that I scare him and that gives me that makes me feel powerful so that's well, fine well, <laughs> um so you um you've also get- lost a lot of people oh, i'm sorry what were you gonna say we have to get back to drugs right yeah let's get back to drugs dude let's talk about drugs now <laughs> you know, we can talk about whatever we want um i was gonna say you did um you've lost some people to um some some really close friends um with drugs, how do you, um, with losing people and being like in the position that you're in, you know, um, being in the public eye and stuff like that, how did you talk to your children like about um, about drugs? <laughs> like what was their drug talk? Yeah, they've never been drawn to it, really. I remember one time, uh, um, I don't know if I ever, I guess I did have the talks with them. But uh, my daughter came in one night, obviously under the influence of something, you know, dad, dad. And I said, Noel, have you been drinking coffee? It's like, dad, dad, I, you know, I gave, I gave up sweets for Lent and we were at Friendly. So I had four coffee, you know. So that was the big drug talk. Have you been drinking coffee? <laughs> my son, my oldest son, I, I, you know, I drink once in a while. And then the two youngest ones, never an issue at all. So I guess, I don't know. I guess, uh, I don't know. Maybe I was a positive influence. They saw that I didn't need it. There were a lot of times where my wife would probably beg me to take something because I was really, really hurting for several years before I had the hip and knee replaced. And then you talk about a life changer. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say this, that in uh, 2000 and uh 17 when i had the hip done mm-hmm. i go this is at rehab and the guy goes yeah how are you doing on pain medicine i said ah, i took a pill the first three days and uh, yeah that was it and he said don't think you're going to get through this knee surgery without it and i said what do you mean he goes it's going to throb so bad that if you don't take something you won't be able to do rehabilitation mm-hmm. and so that's where you see okay there is a time and a place for it because if it is so painful that you can't rehab your knee, then mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I remember the home nurse came in and uh, she was really feisty. And she was calling those five milligram, you know, she was calling them roxycodone, you know, the five milligrams. Ah, it looks like you're on a little something right now because I had no defense to them. Yeah. So five milligrams would make me all glassy. 
but I did not know because I had so little experience with pain medication about mm-hmm. the whole constipation thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear God. The worst. Oh, so the worst. When you start actually reasoning to yourself that you're going to reach your hand <laughs> and stick it up your butt to try to pre, you know, like that sounded like a good idea to me. They got like that, <laughs> you know, like uh, a thing that you hold on to, you know, like the, it's like the, uh, you know, yeah, you get the yeah, hand thing and I'm on there. And, and my kids realize that dad's been in there for like 90 minutes. And I'm like, I'm not through yet. I'm not, there's nothing. Yeah. Just, and I start thinking, can I reach up there and pull this? And then I actually go for like the, the glove. So at least I'm going to be classy. right. Yeah. You don't want to get in your nails. <laughs> but, oh, that was awful. And I guess that's something that addicts deal with. You know, yeah, um, well, I mean, there's a lot of times too, like they'll cut cocaine with like baby laxatives and stuff like that, or you know, like the opposite. I remember after my surgery, because like like there's enemas and stuff like that. Enema may have helped. Like I made my friend who was helping. I'm like, go get me some fucking prune juice right now. <laughs> so disgusting. But yeah, like with the pain medication and stuff like that, it was like a good couple of days. And I'm like, I'm pretty regular. Like I like two, three times a day. Like I poop a lot. <laughs> I eat a lot. I have a high metabolism, but yeah, I was like, I was eating so much. And then I had, um, I forgot what they get. I think it was oxys or something like really like strong ones, but not a lot. They gave me like six, you know, for the first couple of days. Cause I even told them, I'm like, I would prefer like the really strong, like ibuprofen. Like I love, um, like the 600 milligram ibuprofens. I'm like, anytime I'm at a hospital and like, I need something, I'm like, can I get the ibuprofen over the pain pills? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's, um, taking those types of drugs, like it either constantly shitting, depending on which one, or you're never shitting. And it is, it does so many things for your body, but yeah, like I didn't, like at the first like couple of days, I, I want to say is that like, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should take them. But then they were having me switch from Advil and, and Tylenol, you know, for blood clots or something like that. And I was like, yeah, no, I like these better. I ended up taking the last one just because I didn't want my friends to be like, you got any more of them? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm like, I paid for them. I'm doing all my own damn drugs. Speaking of you got to be got any more of those i remember being on a plane and i won't say this said uh, you know great wrestler who's no longer with us because of this uh you know an overdose and this woman opens up her thing and and i hear him go got any extras <laughs> and she was like and she gave him one and afterwards that terry what what kind of drug what was that he was orange and <laughs> orange <laughs> It's not Terry Funk, it's Terry still with us, an orange one. Like, you know, when you're taking a pill whose origin you're not even aware of, just, you know, and I, I'd never heard of rainbow stew, um, but, you know, we had guys who would just take anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it starts out, I did a chapter on this in my 2001 book. This is before they had like the national database, which now things have changed a lot because uh, in WWE, at least, I can't speak for any other organizations, you have to list your uh, your doctor. You can't get prescribed anything 
uh, from someone who's not your doctor. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the, that, that does come up on the drug tests. And I don't know if guys are allowed to take them or not, because I'm not a regular talent in WWE, yeah. but I know they are really strict. Uh, you know, the steroids, uh, you know, you can't do those. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there are loopholes. Um, but, uh, I know it's, uh, the what game about, has changed. What about like weed, especially since that's like legal now or like, do you know if I people don't, are allowed to do that? I don't know. I know that was a, a holdup is that, you know, there are people who get like the designer, uh, uh the, the chemical the, weed the CBD and, or whatever, the stuff that doesn't get you high, like it, like just yeah. like the medical uh, and I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the stuff that you used to be able to get over the counter. And it was one of those, is it, or is it not? Oh, the, uh, the, sit, sit, not sativa, uh, sit, sit, something like that. I can't think of it, but I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sold it over the counter for a little bit. It was like the synthetic weed, uh, sativa. Uh, well, I don't know what is on there and what's not what you're allowed mm-hmm. to do. I would say, you know, that, you know, marijuana would be a good thing with as much traveling as the guys do and settling down. And I mean, I saw a really good, uh, uh, real sports, you know, uh, weed, you know, weed is needed and how much more beneficial that is than harsh pharmaceuticals. And then you're always going to, but you're going to have, uh, you know, big pharma, uh, chiming in because, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's a perfectly natural way to uh, deal with medication, uh, deal with pain, then they lose out. But oh uh, yeah, I mean they started like with pot and like ecstasy and like all this stuff that they're now like even like mushrooms like microdosing to help with like depression and, and uh, MDMA to to help with um you know PTSD and stuff like that. Yeah. They're like oh no <laughs> because you don't need as much of that stuff <laughs> you know to get better and faster. They're like no. Yeah, big pharma is, I'm worried about like when we like fully becomes legal, like I'm still going, you know, I try to get my, my stuff from like, you know, local sources. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not buying weed from Marlboro. It's just not happening. I just know. The, the smile giving <laughs> you, I just realized was the same smile I was giving. There were a couple of guys in the early nineties talking about uh, going home and it's uh is someone's wife had made him a big casserole mm-hmm. and it was like he was high on cocaine and didn't have any urge whatsoever to eat you know he comes home as what and then i remember one of the guys looking at me and going you have no idea what we're talking about do you I said, absolutely not like you never tried no never tried it never had any idea what it was like but it was pretty rampant you know talking about the cocaine in the 80s yeah oh yeah uh, uh, I think there was uh, the episode of the Randy Savage episode. Uh, the the is doing a great series, biography series now, where they really up their game. Where it's not just the cookie cutter storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, like the ones uh, they were all good, but they were all essentially cut from the same cloth. The bios. Yeah. So Amy's uh, doing eight biographies, and I'm lucky that I'm one of the eight. So that's nice. a big honor. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping mine's a little cheerier than the a few of these. <laughs> well, sometimes they always seem to like want to make them sadder almost. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like, well, not everyone's all that sad. <laughs> like people still want a happy ending, you know, at least give them one happy ending. Yeah, we'll have we'll have some. But okay. I guess when they're about people who are deceased, it's going mm-hmm. to be sad, but 
Yeah. Uh, but it was Jake Roberts explaining that uh, the schedule WWE had in the 80s, when WWE went national and international, there was no rhyme or reason. I mean, they settled into a thing. By the time I was there, it was like, okay, you fly into a general area, you rent a car, then you drive, you know, within a three, 400 miles of uh, uh, the drives might be three, 400 miles, but they're manageable. And it was like, you know, if I was somebody like to get in my car after the show, drive all night, get in at four, 5 a.m. and then sleep late. But in the old days, it was like 6 a.m. flight every mm -hmm. single day. And so a lot of guys just found it easier to stay out all night than yeah, to try to. Up. If I have an early wake up, I pretty much just stay up because I don't get to sleep before. If I have a 6 a.m. wake up, it's just so much easier for me to stay up until 3 30 and head to the airport mm -hmm. but uh, uh that whole idea i've and i've said that's my achilles heels i don't know how to sleep i'm not good at it i can't just yeah you don't down. need drugs to help people <laughs> to stay up yeah. that's why i have these things a couple i try a couple <laughs> chapters stories to warm the heart at christmas yeah. and so i try to do that <laughs> yeah you don't um you don't need any uppers i like uppers i like um that's always been my jam though because um, oh yeah yeah it has although like i behave you know i try to behave i do have um i have adhd i found that out during quarantine it was like oh only took 42 years to figure why i'm crazy not crazy but uh, <laughs> i was like oh this all makes so much sense now i'm like all my parents had to do was just give me speed as a child um no i do like i do like adderall but um i only take it when like i really need like i have a bunch of work to do kind of and i need to like focus on stuff because like that's one of those things where it's like I already had a like a problem have a problem with cocaine like I don't need to also be adding Adderall to that you know to that mix so it's like I use it when I really really need to and other times I'm just like I'm a space case today sorry <laughs> it's just the way it works you know because I've I've never again never been big on pills so having to take them I'm like I asked my doctor I'm like so is Adderall better or like maybe doing like micro bumps of cocaine throughout the day better? And, and because like, it's a serious, I mean, because they used to give cocaine away all the time, you know, when younger, um, not younger, but like in the 1900s, you know, the 1900s, I can't believe I just said that, <laughs> but like, you know, in the okay. early, like 1902 and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you have a toothache, give them a little bit of cocaine, you know, um, Freud loved this stuff, but, um, yeah. So I, uh, I asked him like, seriously, I'm like, is it better to do that? He's like, well, not for like your nasal passage, you know, and stuff like that. He's like, he's like, they both have their pluses and minuses. And he, and he really didn't have like a solid, like, no, you should only take this. It was kind of like, oh, well, whatever you feel more comfortable with, they both kind of help with the same thing. I'm like, thanks for being honest though. Like that's a doctor, like that's a doctor that like I would trust, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, he's not bullshitting me. He's not just trying to sell me these fucking pills. He's like, maybe a 20 sack of cocaine is better. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I love talking this stuff about you because the look on your face is always, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know. <laughs> I love it so much. Let, let um, drink coffee until I was 25. 
I see. I don't drink coffee at all. I hate at all, huh? Yeah, I don't like the taste of it. I don't like this. I like teas. I like like chai tea and chai. You know that has a bunch of caffeine. But yeah, I think maybe just because I've always like caffeine doesn't really do that much for me. I think maybe that part of my brain is broken, or it's like no, we're gonna need a little bit more, sweetheart. <laughs> Your brain talks to you that way. Uh, my brain says a lot of things to me in a lot of ways and um it's fine I started meditating I've been meditating I'm now on like 106 days in a row I am actually very zen I'm very zen um I I've stopped panic attacks I I've noticed when I start getting impatient and flustered which is something I've always like um had to deal with like I started like consciously like being aware of all that stuff. And I was like, oh, I didn't need to get a degree in psychology. I just need to go hang out with fucking Buddha for a while. You know, now what, are you, what is your life going to change now that uh, you're vaccinated? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I've always gotten, I always get all my shots. <laughs> That's never what? Are you going to be able to go out and go to eat and things like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was doing that before anyway, because I didn't give a fuck. Um, I mean, I did like I wore masks and stuff like that. But when stuff started opening up, like is when I started going out. It's so funny now that things are more open. I'm like, I'm also kind of waiting because like as people started going out, like people are going to be gross, you know, because they haven't been out. They haven't socialized a bunch. Like I am one of those people because like one of the nights I went out, I got hammered. And I'm like, oh, I'm not ready to be released out into the wild yet. Like, <laughs> I need to be re reacclimated into society as a human being. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm waiting until, like, people kind of get all that energy, uh, you know, especially here in the city. Like, I guess there's been an uprise in, like, condom sales and stuff. And I'm like, it is, it's a jungle out there, Megan. I'm not going. Well, what do you think it'll do for live shows? Like live Oh, that's great. Like I have my show at the stand um, on the 20th, uh, Jawbreakers. Uh, this month I'm doing the Idaho Comedy Festival with Stand Up New York um, on the 20th. It's the 20th through the, the 22nd. Um, so yeah, so like towards like June and stuff, like I haven't really been like asking for spots or anything because I've been focusing on some other stuff and I've been writing a bunch because I want to try to get... Um, I've been working on a book. It's really hard for me to focus on a book, but um, I've been writing um, a book. And so um, I want to see if I could get that done before. Like I actually have to like go out and like, start. like I want to do spots and stuff like that, but I also want to like get this stuff done before I go back out. But yeah, I'm excited uh, for stuff to be back open. So that way I could still stay inside. I'm always inside. Like I'm, unless I have spots and stuff, I like hanging out at home. I'm fun. <laughs> I don't really care. Hmm. Well, it was great to have you on. It's good to see your face. Thank you, Ali. I appreciate it. Hopefully I'll be back in the NYC area sometime. Uh, yes. Yes. And um, and um, anytime you want to put the show together, whichever club, you know, I'm your girl for that. I can help you out. I can do it. Boop, boop. Um, uh, where can people find you? Uh, what do you want to promote? Your cameo, right? You're doing the cameo. Yeah, cameos are cameo.com. <laughs> Uh, slash Mick Foley, everything else from Twitter to uh, uh, my uh, my website is real Mick Foley. So I do have some dates that uh, we rescheduling uh, that were canceled. So in uh, September, I've got a bunch of dates in Illinois, Indiana, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, and we might be adding some stuff. Uh, so just uh, check me out on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, my Instagram's locked for some reason. 
Uh, they saw that my assistant was logging in from one part of the country and me the other and cut yeah. me off. Um, but Twitter's still going. Uh, Facebook's still going. I try to keep it real. So it's at real Mick Foley and then the cameos cameo.com slash Mick Foley. I'm re- I really, I love doing those, you know, yeah. have a, a squabble between the different characters I portrayed. <laughs> I just did a duet about mankind and dude love singing bridge over troubled waters. So I, <laughs> I try to use myself so that other people will uh, feel that as well. Yeah. But yeah, going pretty good. I really appreciate the chance to come on and talk with you. Always great to see you and hopefully I'll see you in person someday soon. Yes. All right, everybody. Obviously, you know, you can check out this podcast and all the major podcast platforms of follow how to do drugs on Twitter and Instagram, how to do drugs pod. Obviously, I am your host, Aaliyah Janine. Bye, Aaliyah. Bye.